Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Did you enjoy Jesus this morning? I'm enjoying Jesus this morning. I actually have a message and I'm going to preach it. But his presence is so beautiful. His presence is so, so, so beautiful. Hallelujah. Wow. Hallelujah. I'm feeling good, man. I'd like to lay on the ground, but I got a job to do. Hallelujah. If you're a guest and you're still here, bless you. You're probably one of us. You're probably one of us. <clears throat> what, what we're trying to do is, I'm, I'm, uh, we want to talk about the next couple weeks. We're, we're, this is what we've been trying to talk about, is the anointing of God and what's coming. And we believe that we're entering into a season of um, just great outpouring. Um, and we need to have a grid for it. We need, we need to understand what's coming and how to react to it. Do you understand? Um, and um, we can't passively enter into what God wants to do. And, and as a house, thank you. Go ahead. And as a house, it's our call to connect people with the presence and power of God. And, um, and that looks like something. Um, um, we want the flow of God in our lives to flow out of our lives into other people's lives. We, we want a flow to happen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to, um, where am I going? Matthew chapter 6. Is that right? Thank you. We're going to Matthew chapter 6. We're not putting it up yet, but we are going to go there. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And um, it's a familiar scripture. Uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Um, But I'm going to talk about it in a way you may not have heard of before. Is that okay? Because I'm going to do it anyways. It's all written down. It worked for service. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9. Jesus teaching them pray teach them how to pray says pray then in this way our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name leave it there hallowed means holy set apart something other yours is lifted up beyond any other name and when he's talking about the name there he's not talking about the word he's not talking about the word Jesus or the word Yahweh he's talking about the identity of who you are holy is your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Starting a new message series called the power of heaven. The power, that's good, right? The power of heaven. The power of heaven. Hallelujah. I'm distracted, but I'm going to stay focused. The power of heaven. And we want to, we want to, we want to, we want to see how do we focus in? How do we receive? How do we walk in? How do we release the power of heaven in our lives to the people around us? Now, last, last week I spoke about revelation worship. Do you remember that? Were you here? Were you paying attention? Was anybody paying attention to that? Last week I talked about revelation worship. And I told you that was a play on words. Uh, we talked about last week about revelate, excuse me, uh, uh, worship in the book of revelation. Uh, and, and also the revelation we get in worship. Uh, last week I told you I was going to teach uh, 
out of the book of Revelation. This week, I will teach on the book of Revelation. And some of you, if you got very excited about hearing me teach on the book of Revelation and you brought your Dake Study Bible with your, your charts and all that, you're going to be disappointed today. Uh, if you've got it all figured out and you're waiting for me to verify your end time theory... Today will be a little different, all right? Uh, I have this thing. I'm a prideful man. I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to admit it right now. I'm a prideful man, and I don't like to be wrong. I do not, I really do not like to be wrong. I really don't like to be wrong. So, like, if I see somebody go a certain route and it fails, I generally don't want to go that route. That's just me. Uh, and I especially don't want people to see me going the route that so many other people have failed at. Does that, yeah. does, does that make sense? Um, and I, I, I'm a student of church history, and Travis and I have talked about this because Travis uh, has his master's. I'm almost completing my master's. We've been talking about church history, and, um, and, and we came up with a list of people who were right about the date of the end time in the, in the, in the number zero. Nobody has ever been right about the end time, ever. <laughs> In the history of the church, in the history of creation, nobody's ever been right. And so I just don't go there because I don't like to be wrong. And if nobody has ever successfully done it, then why would I possibly try to do that other than pride? And, and I've told you about my pride. I don't like to expose it, right? I like to keep it hidden, right? I like you to think that I'm less prideful than I am. So I just don't, I don't go there. Does this make sense? <laughs> so uh, we're not talking about, uh, you know, like, that. Uh, many, many people look at the book of Revelation and try to predict the future with it. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I only have a problem when you don't see the past in it. I'm going to say that again. I don't have a problem if you try to look at the future of the book of Revelation. I have a problem if you don't see the, don't, no, my mother-in-law is leaving. No, no, I promise. I promise. It's, it's, man, you know, it's bad when family's leaving. Like, Jesus did say, I've come for the sword. And, good Lord. Sweet Jesus. The Bible is coming to life right here before you. Wow, honey. Goodness gracious. Good God. I don't have a problem if you try to see the future in the book of Revelation, as long as you can see the past in it. And, and, and here, here's, here's what I'm going to say. The book of Revelation was written by a man named John. Amen? Amen? And we don't know which John it is. I don't know if you know that or not. There's five Johns in the New Testament. John was as common then as it is now. There's a lot of Johns. And it doesn't say which John it is, right? And so if, if, if your um, theory of the end time talks about that you know it was John, the beloved who written it, you're on shaky eschatological ground already, right? Because we don't know who wrote it. The Bible doesn't tell us who wrote it. We just know it was a guy named John, right? And so John wrote this book, say book. He wrote a book because the angel called it a book. He wrote a book to real people. He was a real man who wrote a real book to real people. People. I'm looking, has the whole worship team returned? Excellent. I had some words I wanted to share, but I was waiting for people to get back in the room. Can I share them real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Who said yes? Yeah. Oh, you didn't? Okay, I have one for you, Nathan. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the last time I saw you, I had a word about you writing, right? And you actually wrote and recorded since then. Yes, I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not saying it was because of my word. He was already writing, right? <laughs> I mean, it might have been. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, you know. Maybe you said that. I didn't say that, but... Um, I'm joking. 
<laughs> Prideful man. No, I'm not saying that. Lord, hold your hand. Stay your hand. Jesus. Unless you don't have, unless you have to, you know, whatever. No, but the Lord, I heard it so clearly again um, uh, about writing uh, songs. And um, I, I do not know what this means, but there is a, um, I keep hearing like the word legacy that you haven't yet tapped into in your writing. And there's a depth of revelation that you haven't quite gotten to. And, and you know, writing is, is it's, it's a craft as much as an art. You know, sometimes you get a song from heaven, but most of the time you just got to be good at it. You know, and you don't start good at it. You work out good at it. And so when you write, first you write off of anointing and inspiration. And then you decide to try to get good. And then later on, you learn how to write good off of anointing and inspiration, right? There's like, does, does that make sense? And most people don't get to the third phase, right? They're like happy with the second phase, right? And I just feel like there's a, like, um, there, there's like um, a depth. I don't, I don't, the Lord has not shown me what it even means. But there's a depth in your writing, um, and I'm not saying there isn't now, there's a, there, but there's, there's treasure in the ground for you to dig into with Lear. And I just, um, I just feel like there's reformation in your songs. And I have not heard a single song you've written. So, but, there's, but, I, but I just feel like there's a call. And I think the church, there's a reformation coming. But I, I just feel like there's a reformation. I've never spoken that out loud. Uh, I feel like there's reformation on your songs, if that makes sense. Um, I'll leave it at that. I hope that makes sense. I'll leave it at that. I think that's a good word. I think that's a good word. Um, Chris, I, um, I got a word for you, and it's really kind of funny. The Lord, has, um, the Lord says it's a season for you to be quiet when the pastor's talking. That's a good word, man. <laughs> that's not actually the word. Um, the word actually, um, the Lord has created you to be powerful. And the way you've looked at power historically has been wrong. But he wants you to be powerful like Jesus has been powerful. And he's really called you to be powerful like Jesus. And unfortunately, we had to see Jesus die to see his true power. And so for you, um, real power looks like death. Does that make sense? It's in that death, though, that there's power. Because um, you're called to walk in resurrection power. And you can't have resurrection without a death. So, Father, let it be done. <clears throat> Natalia, where are you at? I have a word for you. I want to give it to you after service. Is that all right? I love you. Excellent. I just want to say, because I won't remember after service. So I just got to put it out there. Um, Lillian, where are you? Or did Lillian leave? No word for Lillian. <laughs> Cecia, are you in here? How you doing? Here's a weird word. I, I want you to, I, I got to explain it. All right. The Lord considers you a first generation Christian. Now that's interesting because your, your parents are leaders in the church, right? And uh, I, don't, I don't know if any of you have had Christian parents. I didn't. But what I hear about having Christian parents is it's awesome and awful, right? Because because um, generally our parents are walking out of something and they raise us to walk out of their bondage instead of your bondage. Does that, does that, does that make sense? Does that make sense? 
And so he's like, you're a first generation Christian to walk out your walk in the power that he's given you. Um, and so there's a legacy that comes from you, even though you can honor your parents. And, and I, I know your parents, I like them, you know, so this isn't like my mother-in-law who walked out on me. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> this is completely different than that. This is, she's back though. One more shot she's giving me. Um, <laughs> I've walked out on me too though, so. Um, but I really feel like um, you have to consciously decide what this first generation Christianity is going to look like. It can't be reaction, can't be reactionary. You have to decide what it's going to be. Yeah? That's a good word, I think. Um, Lillian, um, I saw a doorway in heaven in your worship. But the weird part of it was it was down. It was like a cellar door. It wasn't, but in it, and I just feel like in this season as you, um, as you go through the stripping and the rebuilding, as you get lower in your expectation and you're lower and what's, that, you know what I'm talking, I feel like you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't, but I feel like you do. You're going to find the door to heaven in that. Does that make sense? Cool, cool, cool. I was praying for a spirit of revelation to be in the room today. Sarah, I got a cool word for you that may not make, I may get it wrong because I don't know anything about this. This is all recorded, but you can record it anyways. Um, I know that you lead dance, right? I don't, I don't even know what that means, right? Because for me, dancing is jumping up and down in worship, right? That's, um, may, I might run, right? Like that's it. That's dancing. But I know you do something with dance, right? Yeah. I don't know what that means, right? Um, but I got this word and Gosh, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of stepping out here because I don't know what I'm talking about. So I saw you, I saw you ready, uh, preparing um, for a performance of some sort. And you had like the pieces you were going to do, but you had no idea how they were going to come together. Does that make, does that make sense? Like the transition, like, I don't know. And then sometimes when you're in the anointing, God somehow works out the transition, right? And I feel like you're in a season right now. Uh, and you know where you're going, but Lord wants you to know he's working out the transition. You can trust him in the transition. D does that make sense? And I don't know why he wanted me to tell you that. And I don't know why he wanted me to tell you that about dance. But um, I just, I really feel like um, clearly you're not supposed to move to Lake City. You're supposed to stay right here at Revival Life Church. That's clear. But, but we don't always get his perfect will. Sometimes we just get his permissible will, right? And so he's letting you move to Lake City, we'll say. And, um, and uh, 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 <laughs> that's the humor part. Um, I mean, unless you're convicted, then you can just stay. That's okay, too. That's all right, too. You have a home right here. If you want electricity and running water and all that, we have it here in Boca, right? So you can build a yurt out there in Lake City and they'll let you, you know? Um, but for some reason, like the, um, the transition sometimes like are the scariest part of the whole thing. Um, God is in the transition and I don't know that he has shown you where it ends. Um, and you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but sometimes where we think we're going is really the transition and we get so disappointed that it didn't work out. And he's like, no, that was a transition. You ever been there? You're like all ready for something and then it just, I'm like, what happened to that, God? He's like, no, that was a transition. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, what's up with that? So where you end up, we will continue to pray and fast. Uh, but I believe the Lord is with you. Amen? Amen? All right. So let's get back to what I was talking about now that everybody's in the room. All right. I'm running late. I love you. If you're done before I am, same door that lets you in will let you out. Amen? Are we good? 
Amen and amen. So if we're looking at the book of Revelation, it's okay if we see the future in it, but you have to see the past in it. If you can't see the past in it, then I don't care what you say about the future in it. Right? If you don't like, 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 like Revelation was written by a person to real people. How do we know that? It's in the book. Let's look at it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. So remember, this angel said that Jesus had a revelation, which of course, again, is the most understatement in the Bible, right? The revelation of Jesus. Jesus gave this revelation to an angel. The angel brought the revelation to John, and he told John what to do with it. The angel said, write in a book. Say book. 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 That's important. What you see and send it where? To the seven churches. Which seven churches? Because that might be a little weird. Maybe it's a church in Boca. No, actually, it's the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Pretty clear what John was supposed to do and where he was supposed to send it. Now, I emphasize the word book because somehow people believe that the, the message to those seven churches is the first three chapters and then the rest is like sometime in the future. But that's not what it actually says. It actually says, write the book and it's to these people. Right? So we have to understand the, the, the history and the, and the historical uh, context of the book in order to understand the book. Amen? Yeah. You can't just pick up a love letter and it's to you. <laughs> you can't say this is from and then change who it was from. Yeah. Must be to me. No, 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 actually. That was between a husband and a wife. It has nothing to do with you. Right? You can't just co-opt their love. Right? <laughs> right? And so John was on the island of Patmos and he wrote this to these seven churches. I have a little map here because sometimes this helps us see. Now, over here where it says Asia, that's Asia, right? Uh, Asia Minor is the yellow part right there, right kind of where it meets Europe. Now, Asia Minor is the yellow part. You see where the seven churches are and right off the coast is Patmos. That's where John was. John was in the island right off of Asia Minor, writing to these seven churches nearby. Now, you see where Rome is? That's Rome. Now, there was an empire by the same name. Rome. Rome, the Roman Empire. Are you with me? You're following along. You guys are getting this. And the Roman Empire's headquarters was in? Rome. Watch out. In between Rome and Asia Minor was Greece. Are you getting this? Oh, we're all on the same page now, right? We have to understand John was on a real island named Patmos right off the coast of Asia Minor and he was writing a book to these seven churches. And in the first couple chapters of the book of Revelation, he writes an introduction. And instead of having to write the whole thing seven times, he just wrote an introduction to each of the seven churches and then wrote the book once. I imagine if you're in prison, you have nothing to do but time, but maybe he was short on ink and paper. Who knows? But he wrote it to the seven book, to seven churches. And now what was happening at this time in those seven churches was great persecution. Great, great, great persecution. This was written after the book of Acts. And so remember... Paul, uh, in the book of Acts, time and time again, he would say, you know, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't treat us badly. But as we go on in the book of Acts, as we see Acts progress, we see that becoming, your citizenship becoming less and less important and the reverence of Caesar becoming more and more important. Does this make sense? Now, remember we talked about Acts chapter 16, uh, and we talked about not every day is an Acts 16 day where you get to pray yourself and worship yourself out of prison. And then we talked about some days are an Acts 16 day where you pray and worship yourself out of prison. Remember that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the next chapter, Acts 17, we see Paul and Silas in Corinth and uh, they're imprisoned again and they make it very, very clear. Acts 17, 7. Here's the accusation against them. They all act contrary, watch this, to the decrees of Caesar. What decree are they violating? Saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now, that was enough to say that there's a king other than Caesar to put you in jail. You see, now, in the beginning, you could say, I'm a Roman citizen. And, you know, there was, this, there was this, this, this cohabitation between the Jews and the Romans because the Jews of the day allowed the Romans to run things. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and, well, Jesus is not excited about sharing power, right? He just, he kind of acts like he's God, right? And so, at the end of the book of Acts, the gap between Acts and Revelation, this increased greatly. And there was great persecution. Now they weren't imprisoning people. They were murdering them in the streets for saying that there was a king other than Caesar. What happened? Well, what happened was the worship of emperors as gods began to happen in great uh, scale during that time. Now, emperor worship started uh, in the Greek part of the kingdom. See, now in Greece, if you put up my map again. In the Greek areas, in the Greek history, um, Alexander the Great uh, said that he was a direct descendant of Hercules and Zeus, which of course is not true, but that's how they treated him. And so the Greek were trained to, to uh, worship their emperor. Now, it happened nowhere more than in the far east. They worshiped emperors there, and uh, they would actually build temples to, to the emperors. And as Rome took over the Greek areas... The Greek culture was being adopted in part by the Romans. You're getting that, right? This makes sense? And so these seven churches in this area is where emperor worship was at its greatest. Now, the Romans, of course, were led by a senate and the Caesar was the head of the senate. And that's how it started. But as Rome overtook Greek areas, it became more Greek. And all of a sudden, when you got some power and people start worshiping you, that becomes a little enticing. And if people say, we shouldn't question you, most men say, yeah, you shouldn't question me, right? Very few men will actually set up accountability in their lives on purpose. Can we just be honest, men? Very few of us will set up accountability on purpose. And if someone wants to worship you like a god, well, you know, I'm not saying I'm God, but if you're saying, you know, I don't want to. And so it began to be a normal thing for the emperors to be considered God. Now, when Julius Caesar reigned, they, in, in Asia Minor specifically, wanted to make him um, deified, and he refused. He's like, no, I'm the head of the Senate. I don't want to do that. And you can actually look this up in history. The day that Caesar died, that week, a great comet appeared in the sky and was so bright, it appeared for four days. It's called Caesar's Comet. You can look it up. It's an it's a, a astrological fact. And they took that as confirmation that Caesar, uh, Julius Caesar, was a god. And so as the Roman, I'm, I'm kind of going on here, but follow me for a second. So as the, the, the leaders of the Senate, the head of Rome, one leader would accept to be deified. The next one was like, that's silly. I'm just the leader of the Senate. Until we get to the time of Jesus when it started to really build up and it was a stated fact. It was such a fact that you had to confess that Caesar was 
uh, was king and that he was a god when you would enter a town, when you would enter the temple, when you would go to the market. It was something you had to do. And as time went on after the days of Jesus, it got even bigger. But in the time of Jesus, let me show you a coin from the days of Jesus. Uh, and there you see Caesar Augustus on it. And uh, it says in Greek, I, I tried to read that last time and I, I sounded silly, so I'm not going to do it this time. But there on the bottom, uh, it says, but here, here's, here's what it's translated to. It says, Caesar Augustus, see, DV, F, Pater, Patre, Caesar, I did it anyways. Caesar Augustus, <laughs> Caesar Augustus, son of God, father of all. That's what it said on their money. Caesar Augustus, son of God, father of all. I would be offended at that yeah. as a Christian, yeah. right? And so when we start seeing that this is the language that they used about themselves, we kind of start to understand the language of why Jesus was talking the way he was talking. The whole son of God thing means a little bit more in that context. Does that, yeah? And so um, they called him um, uh, Pontifex Maximus, which is the high priest of Rome. So now you hear when they say, we have a high priest in heaven, right? You understand how, how countercultural they were as Christians, how, how they were going. And so Jesus, believe it or not, was not really excited about this. And, and Jesus, Jesus, um, he was so bold and so brave. Just the more I read the New Testament, the more I see how brave he was in defending his divinity and defending uh, true worship. I mean, um, uh, and, and so you remember, you remember when he was going in the temple and they tried to trick him? They say, hey, do your disciples pay the temple tax? Why would they ask that? Because you had to say some things and do some things to get in the temple. Do they pay the toll tax? He's like, yeah, I want you to get a coin. And then he says, he says, they said to him, whose face is on this coin, right? Whose face is on this coin? Matthew 22, put it up. And here's his response. They said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things of God, the things that are God. He's not saying pay taxes and... He's saying, no, no, there is Caesar and there is God and they're two different things. These are two completely different entities. And the next verse in the Bible says, and they were all amazed that he said this. Not because he's so wise, but how, I cannot believe you said out loud that Caesar is not God. And Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm confident in this. I got this part worked out. He made this distinction. He made this distinction clear to his followers and the people of all places at the temple. He had to tell the people of the temple that Caesar wasn't God. That, that's, that's where they had gotten. This is the culture that Jesus was in. And here is the question that this begs. Who will you worship and who will you follow? Who will you worship and who will you follow? And it's not just a first century, second century question. It is a 21st century question. The main reason the disciples were persecuted is because they decided to worship God. And they would only follow God. It wasn't because they had a God. It's because they did said that Caesar was not God, and Caesar was not their king, but Jesus was their king. And because they said that Caesar's their king, I mean, because they said that God is their king, Jesus is their king, and, and Caesar is not, they were called unpatriotic. They were, they, were, they were persecuted as being against the Roman state. If you don't receive the father of our nation as your father, then you're unpatriotic, and as a matter of fact, you're a threat and you have to be murdered. This is what they, they found themselves in. And this is the threat that we have today. Now, we may not feel it. We may not think it. 
You know, there, throughout history, this keeps coming up. You know, when, in, in Nazi Germany, when they'd have to say Heil Hitler, that wasn't just a salute thing. That was, we all hail Hitler. Hitler didn't come up with that. Hitler got it from empires like this, where you worship the emperor. Does this make sense? And here's what I want us to get from this. I want to get that this was a real thing that happened in a real time to real people. But I want you to hear that if you don't make a decision, other people will make themselves divine in your life. Other people will make themselves divine in your life. Now, they may not even use that language, but if you've ever been in a controlling relationship and someone wants you to treat them as if they were your God, even though they wouldn't use that language, Jesus set you free from that. Right? You are allowed to set healthy boundaries in your life. You do not have to live for someone else's pleasure. God actually loves you for who you are. I feel like God is doing something in somebody's heart right now. And I want him to set you free from unhealthy relationships. This book of Revelation, listen, it's, it's, not, it's, not about, it's not about the beast. It's not about a dragon. It's not about Babylon. It's not about the end times. This book is about the worship of God. It's about the worship of God. There's this awful battle on earth that it's showing. It's showing this awful battle where people are being slaughtered. And, 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 and it's, it's common fact. It's, it's, it's a commonly known fact that uh, the Jews who have been, cap- have been um, conquered by Babylon before called Rome Babylon. That was just, it's a, it's a fact. It's not really debatable. They called Rome Babylon. And they called the emperor the beast, right? They called his army the dragon. Like this is, this, is, this, is, this is historical fact. It may mean something in the future, but it meant something then. Amen? Yeah. Right? Like, so if we got a prophetic word now about Congress, in 2,000 years from now, there is no United States and people are trying to make up what that means. Right now it means Congress. Right? And so these are, these are factual things that happen in a certain point in time. But on earth, the book keeps showing us that there is this war being fought. And there's this, this struggle for worship and people are being slaughtered on earth. And then they juxtapose what's happening in heaven. And in heaven, it's already decided. In heaven, it's already decided we're worshiping God. In heaven, it's decided the king is on the throne. And then everything that's alive worships that king. Go back to the battle on earth. We're not sure who to worship. There's false gods. There's false deities. There's people who want to be Lord of our life. Get back to heaven. Jesus Christ is king. There's no question. There's no battle. It's settled in heaven. That's why we need a revelation of what's going on in heaven. That's why we need a revelation of what's happening in the spirit realm. That's why we need a revelation of what's going on behind people's words and behind their thoughts. We need, to, we need a revelation of what God wants to do for us. Otherwise, other people will make themselves divine in our life and try to give us a word out of season. It also shows... <clears throat> It shows false worship offered to the dragon. It shows false worship offered to Babylon. And worship becomes a test of allegiance. What will you worship? Worship is recognizing the mystery of the unseen realm and the promise we have there. There is a promise you have in the unseen realm. It's real and it's more important than any, any promise you have on this side of eternity. When we encounter the real God, we can manifest our genuine destiny. When we encounter the real God, we get to manifest our our real destiny, our real call. Listen, 
if we don't encounter the real God, all we get is someone else's gossip about God. All we get is someone else's idea, somebody else with their processing, what, what, what God's talking to them or their gods. And we don't know if they're mixing the real God with the God of their life. We don't know. I mean, American prosperity has become a God. And that's not the God on the throne in heaven. I'm a vet. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying let's overthrow the government. I am saying let's not worship it. That does not work out well historically for Christians. Worshiping the God of the unseen realm might mean you're going to move somewhere you don't want to move and don't make no kind of sense, but you know that's where you're supposed to be. That means you don't make decisions. I know this is going to sound crazy. I'm not telling anybody to move anywhere. I'm not telling you to give up anything. I know there's people in this church who are called to be fabulously wealthy. I know there's people in this church who are called to, to travel to the poorest parts of the world. And I'm hoping the two will see their call and will honor one another. Amen. See, false, false kingdom is like, false kingdom is both communism and capitalism. Hear me. Communism is, we'll pay everybody the same no matter how they work. Well, you know what that means. Nobody works. Why would you work if you're going to get paid either way, right? <laughs> Capitalism means you're more important if you have more money. You're more valuable if you have more money. That is not kingdom. Kingdom is, I have a gift of giving. I wonder who I'm supposed to be giving it to. That, that's kingdom. Amen. <clears throat> And if you encounter the false God of, 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 I, 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 I'm reluctant to give examples because if you are wealthy, like, man, praise God. Yes. I, I don't, I, like, praise God. I'm happy. I'm happy for you. And if you know you're supposed to be going month to month and you're not making what you're supposed to be making and, and, and that's where God has you, praise God. Rejoice in it. I, like, I, I, I need, I don't. I don't want anybody to think that I'm disparaging them because of their financial position. What I'm trying to say is your financial position means absolutely nothing about your value. Amen. It means absolutely nothing about your value. Nothing. I mean, if we're going to base it on something arbitrary, how about shoe size or, or the size of your earlobe? Or, I mean, like, we could pick any arbitrary number. In the kingdom of God, is this, am I making sense, Corey? I just want to, I feel like I'm beleaguering this point. I just... I hope you all make a billion dollars. I really do. But it can't be who you are. False gods reveal false destinies. And I just need you guys to come into what God has called you to be. And what we, we owe people an encounter with God. We, we owe people. We owe them an encounter with God. And it's so easy to just become Christians and just be Christian and have a Christian culture where we don't interact with the world's culture because it's going to get on us. Instead of saying, I am here to change the culture. We let the culture change the church. And it's like, we lose our power that way. I have this love. I've said this so many times. I have this love hate relationship with, 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 with Christian schooling. I love it. I love it because I want my kids to grow up in the fear of admonition of the Lord. And I'm so happy I was able to send my kids to Christian middle school. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that. I dislike that there comes a, a Christian culture that doesn't actually revolve around hearing, obeying the voice of God, which is actually what a Christian is. That's what a Christian is, hearing and obeying the voice of God. It becomes instead, we're the people who don't do certain things, which happens to be the same things that Muslims don't do. Except they, they do it even better at times, right? Oh. 
there, there's, 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 becomes culture instead of capturing the mystery of Christ. This is the, this is the, this is, this is the really radical part that Jesus told us to pray. I mean, this is, this is, this, what he said is so much more radical than we understand. And so in the midst of a culture where they're murdering people for not saying that Caesar is the king and he is, he is Lord. In the midst of that culture, he told us that every time we pray, we're supposed to pray this way. Watch this. Verse 10. Your kingdom come and your will be done. But there already was a kingdom there. Jesus is like, yeah, we don't recognize that kingdom. <laughs> we don't recognize that kingdom. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You might want to know what's happening in heaven if you're going to see it on earth. And we don't, we don't pray this enough. It's so easy to live our life and not consider, are we actually following God? Are we actually following God? We, we, we make a hundred decisions on our own and then we get stuck and then we ask God to come in and solve the problem of our hundred decisions that got us here. And God's like, man, I never even pointed you in that direction. And so we wonder why when we ask him for answers, he's talking about stuff that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. He's like, you should have started this conversation like two years ago. But if you're ready to start it, I'm ready to start it. You're like, but I want to deal with this. He's like, I never told you to go there in the first place. I'm still over here waiting for you. You're like, but this is going to fall apart. He's like, I don't even, I don't even know what you, that ain't nothing to me. Like, I got nothing to do with that. That's your little thing that you build. I'm doing something over here. Does that, does that make sense? He's like, if you're ready to get back on the right track, we, I don't, I'm down. Let's do it, right? We don't like, we don't consider like, I've just spent, I've just dedicated half my paycheck to a car payment. God, is this part of your will? Like, God may be like, yeah, you've made 15 decisions financially that got you here. And now you're just going to ride a bus for a couple months. You're going to buy a bike and you're going to be the most bikingest person in South Florida because of the decisions that you made. That's like, nobody wants to hear that. It's hot out there. Show up to work, got to clean yourself with wipes and stuff because you're all funky because you've been biking and it's 98 degrees. But... But like at some point we got to say, am I following God? Like, am I actually following God? You know, Isaiah, right? Isaiah is like, Isaiah, we could say he probably could hear God. Yeah. Like he wrote a pretty long book about it. Right. He gets in the chapter 55, right? 55 chapters of hearing God. Of course, the chapters came later, but 55 chapters into this prophetic word that Isaiah has. And God says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> and by the way, my ways, they're not your ways. Don't, don't, get, don't get excited about yourself, right? Don't get too excited about yourself because I am still the God and you still are not. I mean, we have to make a daily choice to follow God. We have to make a daily choice. Otherwise, we just sleepwalk through this life. We sleepwalk through it and just like, oh, all God's promises are yes and amen. Sings well, but you might need to actually obey him to get into those things. Like, I mean, it might require us actually participating in the relationship, right? I'm going long. I'm almost done. If almost done is this. <clears throat> let, let me say this. Let me, let me try to finish up here. If we're following God, that means we're going to not follow other things. Do you know what you're not following? Because if you don't know what you're not following, then you may be following. You may not have actually made decisions recently on what you are going to do and what you're not going to do. 
Who am I not following that wants me to follow them? That's, that, that's what it looks like to follow God. It, it looks like us saying, I understand the culture says that my value is my bank account or my value is on my, what my appearance is or my value is on my life plan. But actually, I'm not following that. And I have found once you've decided to really follow God, you get one of two reactions. You get people who become curious or they become hostile. Yeah. Curious or hostile. They get curious because the Spirit of God is working in your life and people were created to interact with the Spirit of God. They were created for it and they can taste it and they see it. The other reaction is hostility because they're convicted by the Spirit of God on your life. Both ways it's the manifestation of the Spirit, right? The hostile are convicted because they want you to go along with them. They want you to be sheeple just like them. But you've decided you're a follower of Christ. And those kings will fight to keep their place in your life. Ladies, make a decision that you're just not going to be disrespected and watch what happens. Fellas, same thing. You lovingly say, hey, we're just not going to talk in that tone in our house anymore. Watch what happens. Listen, I've just decided we're not going to use that tone in our house. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. The kings want to stay on the throne of your life. The book of, amen. The book of Revelation was written to people undergoing great suffering at the hands of the Romans because of their practices. And it wasn't going to end anytime soon. And Jesus wanted to let them know, hey, you haven't missed it. You haven't missed it. Heaven is safe and we're waiting for you. Let me get whoever's coming up to come up. The question here is, yeah, let's get the whole fam. Come on. Even people who want to be in the band. No, I'm joking. That's a joke. There's always that one guy. <laughs> Someone comes up with a shofar. The Lord told me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I am here to be a witness that he did not, in fact, tell you that. <laughs> no, he did not. I had a, um, I had a prophetic dream recently. It was actually this week. Um, I don't get a lot of prophetic dreams. I get a lot of dreams. Most of them are weird. Every now and then, every now and then I get a prophetic one. Not very often. And they're normally um, for other people. Um, this week I got a prophetic dream. Play me a little something there, Mike. I don't know what y'all are going to do. Uh, I had a prophetic dream and an apostle in my life showed up in my dream. And um, I don't, we don't, like, he may or may not know my name. Um, and, <clears throat> and in this meeting, um, I was stuck somewhere, and I really wanted him to pray for me. And uh, he did. He came over and prayed for me. And, uh, and he, he said my name, and he began to pray for me uh, by name, which I was excited because I, in the dream, I wanted this guy to know who I was, if that makes sense. And he began to pray for me, and he's like, in, in, in his dream, in, in, in his prayer, part of what he said was, and, and that you would bless Carl, Father, and I just pray that you would just deliver him of his rebellion. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that's not, that's not, I'm, I'm waiting for him. I recognize the anointing on his life. <laughs> Shortly, Lord, bring him so he can preach in front of my congregation. You know, those kind of things are what you want to hear. And he starts praying about the rebellion on my life. And let me just say right now, like, I'm not gambling. I'm not going to strip joints. Like, like I'm good, right? 
I'm good. But as soon as he said it, I was convicted. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I was not doing some things that he told me I need to be doing. And the Lord called that rebellion. It's not like, hey, I want you to do this. And then you get to think about it for a long time. If God has revealed his will, we have to do it. And he called a rebellion in my life. And then as soon as he said that, he prayed over me. I didn't like it, first of all. And then the presence of God just flooded me. And then I woke up in the presence of God. <clears throat> Listen, when you, when you lift up worship in the midst of trials, you're declaring to all of heaven that you have made a choice already what kingdom you're going to follow. When you lift up worship in the midst of your struggles, you're letting heaven know, no, no, I've already decided who I worship. It's Jesus, not this. And it's so, I'm like, we worship the dumbest stuff. Our emotions, how do you know what you're worshiping? What are your emotions tied to? I've seen people have anxiety attacks because their, you know, Instagram follower number dropped. Like, let's, and it sounds funny, but you got an idol, it's the same. Yeah. We, come on, we, we, we. And so Jesus, Jesus is like, listen, I need you to tell these people in, in Asia Minor, like, if, 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 your, if your God is that things are going to go well in this life, like, things are not going to go well. But in heaven, it's already decided. Amen? Amen. Come on, come on, come on. So if we're going to operate in the power of heaven, we better be knowing what's going on. I want us to stand together and I want us to pray this prayer together now that we understand what he's saying. We're going we're 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 to we're pray what Jesus told us to pray. We're going to pray it with his heart. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward because I feel like some people are going to need some help. And I think it's time today that some people just let some kingdoms be overthrown in their life and some kings get kicked off their throne. Put it up if you would, Matthew chapter 6. Ready? Let's pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everyone said, Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I pray for every broken heart in this room. Every broken heart from disappointment in this room, Father. And I pray that you would speak into their heart that you are God and you are King. You are King. You are Lord. That you are good. And you're a loving Father. That you're worthy of our worship. Father, I pray that you would empower them greater to forgive right now. That they would release. They would release the offense. They would release it to you, Father. That they would begin to operate in the power of heaven. That heaven would come and flood their lives. And that it would be decided in their life. Come on, pray in the Spirit with me if you would. That it would be decided in their life. I feel him moving right now. He's bringing revelation. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this message will lift anxiety off your life. 
this, this message will lift depression off your life. Once your king has decided, all these minor kings who are barking in your ear about things aren't going to work out, their, their voice gets quieter. Just give me one more second if you would. Huh. Sarah, when you worship, I want you to begin to expect miracles like heaven is flowing through you. And in heaven there is healing. And in heaven there is there's freedom. And I just see people like I just see them trapped in depression being freed through your song. Because heaven is being released in the room. You don't have to you don't have to preach it. You're gonna just heaven comes in the room. And people get free. Now you guys, you need to lean into it so we kind of prime the pump a little bit. We're going to be expecting freedom as she sings. We're going to pull it out of her. Amen? We're going to pull it out of her. Amen? Is there any area of your life you need freedom today? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there any area? I want you to begin to pull on the anointing. I want you to begin to pull on the anointing. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can you give it up for the word this morning? here and uh, I want to encourage you today as we worship and as we as we close out um, make a decision right here in this place make a decision before you need to make a decision that you're gonna follow Jesus make a decision come on make a decision before you need to make a decision that you're a child of God come on that you are free that your identity is in him amen we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to worship right now. There's some people up here who can pray for you, want to pray with you. Um, don't. I want to encourage you, don't, I know we, we ran a little late, forgive me. If you have to go, you can go. But if you're able to stay, don't leave with the baggage that you might have come in with. Let's leave free today. Let's leave in power today. Come on. Amen. You guys ready to worship? Come on, take us there, guys. Our Father.
sometimes he just weeds the room out for some reason and those people that he's drawing are here at the end and that's when God generally begins to move the greatest now normally it's night meetings and it's about midnight or 1230 that's that's normally the anointing falls at about midnight but y'all waited here and I just like if you're here this long maybe God's got something significant for you today I feel like that was a good word right there. I feel like that was a good place for an amen. That was a good spot for an amen right there. That was a good spot for an amen, Corey. I think God's got something significant for you. And we only got a couple more minutes, and I got to kick you out because we have a leaders meeting. But let's just go in right now. Let's just go in for a minute, shall we? That was actually a question. That was a real question. Shall we? Child care is over. Feel free to bring your kids in here. Bring them in the anointing. Bring them in here. They might make some noise, but it is what it is. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. Holy. 
Sarah, Father, we thank you mostly for the ministry of your spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be in this room to encounter you, but I'm thankful that we get equipped here to take it into the world. I pray this week that we would walk in your anointing with the awareness, the awareness of your presence. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Can you give it up for the team? Corey Pagano, if you can hear me, if you come here, I would love it. Good job, Corey. You're amazing. Give yourselves a hug for saying this long. Jesus loves you. Amen. I 